0: Did I abuse her or show her disdain? Why does she run from me? If I should lose her, how shall I regain
1: The heart she has won from me?
2: Agony, beyond power of speech When the one thing you want Is the only thing out of your reach High in her tower, she sits by the All right,
1: it's that time again for another fangirl chat. Today, Teresa's not going to be with us, so I invited some fellow pine nuts, which is a new term to me. <laughs> yourself. I'm To join us. So, first, I have Kay from Fangirl Blog. Hi, Kay. Hi. How you doing? Mm-hmm.
2: I sort of hate to ask it, but do you have a basket? <laughs> <laughs> and then
1: we also have Sarah from Skywalking Through Neverland. How you doing, Sarah?
0: I am doing good, but my voice isn't. But that's okay. We're going to power through.
1: We're going to power through. That's part of podcasting fun. So today's little episode is about Into the Woods, which is a little movie that came out from Walt Disney Pictures. And I wanted to get everybody's, before we talk about it, everybody's kind of where they were coming to it so Kay, I know you have a little history with this musical, prior like
2: to the movie. Ninety-five percent of it memorized. I don't remember when I first saw it, but I saw a recording of the uh, original Broadway production, and I absolutely loved the idea of all the fairy tales being smushed together, and that it was kind of dark. And I have completely lost track of how many times I've watched it. Um And I see it whenever it comes near or somewhere I am in. And I've auditioned for it a couple times. And I just lots of different ones. Because (laughs) the problem I usually have is I will go in for Little Red Riding Hood. And they'll be like, oh, you're too old for Little Red Riding Hood. And the way we're doing it in this production. And then I'll go in another time and I'll be like, I'm going in for Cinderella. And they'll be like, oh, you're too young for Cinderella. Like, mm-hmm. We're going with older people in this production. Which, but that happens in a lot of auditioning. You're always to something in the okay. wrong direction. <laughs> yes, I know that. And Sarah,
1: how about your. Was the movie your first time? Or are you familiar with
0: this? No, you know what? I was not familiar at all with it. I was familiar with some of Stephen Sondheim's music, but the movie to me was a total uh, new experience into the woods um yeah so that's how I'm coming into it
1: I am familiar with the musical I've seen it on video I've not seen it in the theater and but I wasn't familiar enough with it to know really recognize the things that they were changing in the movie and they did change some things which was a lot of the Pre-movie discussion where uh, some people did or didn't like what how they were changing it. So, Kay, your favorite thing about this movie, the movie
2: version. I like that the movie was able to um, do things that you can't do on stage. So, um, like you having the actual forest and it being a much bigger. Space that they're moving around in, and then all the special effects that they are able to do. That you like, um, the way Milky White pops back up. I loved that. And you like very well. (laughs) Some productions do Milky White as like a plastic cow that they just will literally drag across the (laughs) stage for comedy. And sometimes Milky White is one or two people in a cow costume. So that effect of Milky White coming back to life is never. quite as magical as that was in the movie
1: when he literally comes back to life (laughs) or
2: she rather she the she the she cow
1: (laughs) with the milk the milky white sarah what was your favorite thing top thing in in this experience it for the first time
0: right well for me the big draw to see this movie was chris pine because as you stated i'm a pine nut And then I also, of course, love the fact that it was Disney and that um, it was a musical and I'm a big, you know, musical fan. So um, so when I'm watching it, like Chris Pine doesn't have that big of a role at the beginning. And then all of a sudden you get to the agony song. Agony, far more painful than yours, when you know she would go with you. If there only were doors, agony, oh the torture they teach. <laughs> and I was like, I was hooked. I was like, okay, this is awesome. <laughs> and then later on, um, he's, you know, in the other song, you know, kissing the, the what's her name, baker's wife, <laughs> the baker's wife, and so it was just like, oh okay. Well, he's not in it a lot, but he's in in good in good spots. You know what I mean? Um, but overall, my favorite thing was really the music and just the profoundness of Stephen Sondheim's lyrics. Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing what what he fits into, like, a three-minute song.
1: Yes, it's be- beautiful and concise, and there were moments when I was listening to the words and, and what was going on on screen and just realizing that he... He it, it, it does has this like masterful way of condensing it all, but agony has to be the moment because I kept thinking, okay, Chris Pine musical, I'm I'm not sure, right. and then when that scene happened, <laughs> I was like, um, it was inspired casting. <laughs> 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 I mean,
0: they're so open.
1: We uh, you know, and it's sort of funny that the, these guys, you know, well, I mean, they're playing characters who supposedly have it all, you know, and he's, you know, he's just. So sad that this woman keeps running away from him. <laughs> you know, it's like you can't wrap his it, mind around it. it's, it's man pain in a musical yeah. in a way that's just you know, and and it's beautiful. So it, i the ladies next to me in the movie theater <laughs> were fans and they so they had seen it before and the funny thing was so when the scene starts coming you could see them start to get excited. <laughs> so um and then when it happened, they were... And it wasn't just them and the audience. And this wasn't the first week it had for me mm-hmm. that when I went to see it. They were literally just like... I, I would say they were sort of fangirl flailing in the seats. like, And not like um, I'm in love. Just sort of in like the way that it was just so perfectly done that it sort of made you giggle and laugh and squeak and make funny noises because it was just... The, the both princes, it was, was well-played, I would just have to say. Just the right
2: amount of over-the-top. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was Captain Kirk meets Prince Charming. <laughs> I kept going, like, he's playing William
2: Shatner. <laughs> he's playing Kirk.
1: <laughs> yes, it was, it was William Shatner's Captain yeah. Kirk. Where he just kind of played it up just enough that um it, it was definitely one of my favorite moments so see you guys would have
2: loved they cut a song from it there's an agony reprise yes my friend played it for me yeah we guys you guys would have loved them if they would have done well loved them in some ways and not in others because in (laughs) agony reprise spoiler alert it's revealed that they're kind of bored with their princesses that they have (laughs) and they're interested in some other ones and they have problems getting these new ones too (laughs) more man pain i guess
0: (laughs) that's funny
2: yeah that
1: was that was one of the ones i was going to ask you about because i've heard i've seen a lot of chatter about the reprise yeah well
2: yeah and they because they just are trying to like one up with like no mine is worse no my situation is so much harder you don't understand Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) so sarah did you you listen to the reprise
0: yes i well um I, I partly listened to it, and then my friend explained, because she, she, like Kay, has loved this musical. Yeah, it's about Snow White, uh, actually. Yeah, the, Snow
2: White and Sleeping Beauty.
0: Yeah, yeah. So those are the princesses in question. And it's oh. it's, it's really cute, you know. So I've listened to parts of it, and I, I need to actually borrow that soundtrack from
1: my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, the music is... Um, it definitely makes the the whole sort of narrative work and the way they weave the different music together to work. Kay, what did you... I know that there were some things that you wished would have been in there that didn't make it, other than the reprise.
2: Yeah, well, they just... In the the stage musical, you know, you have your your first act and it's happily ever after. And then the second act starts and you kind of see everyone's like, okay, maybe this isn't all it was cracked up to be. (laughs) And they have, like, new things that they think will make them happy. And um, the the movie just really condensed that and just, like, jumped straight for the giant part. And so that kind of... I I think a lot of the changes softened the story or flattened the characters out. Mm. And I think we typically... Think like in a movie, we're going to get everything more fleshed out and be able to see and experience more. So it was strange for me knowing the source material and being like, it's it still works, but it's missing some of the extra lessons. And, and, and I don't know how much of that had to do with Disney wanting it to be more into the Disney brand than what it is. I was really surprised when I heard that Disney was the one putting this out because I was like, this is like an anti-Disney mm. musical because it's so dark and um Rapunzel dies in the musical oh man the stage musical one she <laughs> gets killed by the giant um as well and that's kind of the witch's like last straw like that's it no I have nothing I have mm-hmm. like I don't have powers I don't have my standing daughter and that's what kind of sets her off in the stage musical but they kind of let Rapunzel and her prince go Whereas in the the stage musical, literally the baker, Little Red Riding Hood, Cinderella, and Jack are the only people still alive at the end of the show.
1: Hmm. All right. So it's definitely not as dark as yeah.
2: the original version. <laughs> but also in the original show, there's um, a narrator who, you know, um, James Corden is the baker, kind of filled in that role. But in the show, he's a, like a man in a suit, usually standing on the side of the stage narrating parts of it and then he there's a whole element where the characters start interacting with him and they pull him into the story and they even feed him to the giant at one point so he doesn't even make it wow. out and he is usually um, double cast as the baker's father as well who did make a brief appearance
1: a brief appearance in the a very brief appearance. version
2: yeah. and then another double casting they usually do Well, not everybody does it, but the original Broadway cast did is um, Cinderella's Prince also plays the wolf, Mm. making him even more of a slimy (laughs) character than he is. Wow. But there's Johnny Depp stunt casting in this one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he's not in it.
1: Then, Sarah, so you don't have the, the history of it. Did you... Was the tone, did you think it was not what you expected from Disney? Or or what did you take away from it as someone coming in first time?
0: Right. For me, I felt it was almost two movies in one. So because you get the, of course, the first act finishes and all the items, they've found all the items. And, you know, the witch transforms and, and she gets her baby. And there you go. And then the movie goes on for 45 minutes, you know, (laughs) but, but I did like, you know, when it went on, I, you know, I thought, um, you know, the, what is that called? The, the destruction of the fairy tale, you know, I, I liked it. I just, I just felt it, 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 and I liked it purely because of the songs that continued on, like, um, what is it? Like moments in the woods, uh, that the baker's wife sings right Mm -hmm. after she and, um, Chris Pine, <laughs> Chris. <laughs> and you know that part, and of course the children will listen. The finale, um, and no one is alone. Like all, all these songs have just so profound messages. So I, I didn't mind that the movie continued, but for me it just felt like you know the two movies in one. It, it
1: definitely sounds like two. From how Case said, it's it's sort of the acts break out in the in the theater version that right. you have two stories in one. I thought there was actually a little bit of a profound message at the end in that it almost remarked on the whole meta of Disney pictures. What does he say? Be careful of the stories you tell. Children will listen. Children will listen, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a very profound message to come out of a Disney movie that 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 will happen. So, But then again, I think Disney has been aware of the stories they tell and that people want them to keep trying and aiming um, higher and better to bring in even more positive messages and be more inclusive. So I I appreciate that that was in there and maybe that they grabbed the story and took the risk with their own sort of their iconic characters that have helped them go to the to the big name that they are mm-hmm. um it's a especially considering that you know now we're getting live action of uh you know Maleficent did very well it was a darker turn you know take we we got to see Maleficent instead of sleeping beauty and it did very well and it actually was not as um grim dark as you thought it might be mm-hmm. in in it so I know that a lot of the, my friends who were fans of this were concerned about whether what would happen when on the screen. But I think for how it came out on screen that Disney did well with their tone
2: and yeah, putting it out there. Yeah, I think I think it turned out well. It was just hard knowing all the the deeper elements mm-hmm. that would that, <laughs> could have been in there that that weren't and you know were were you guys surprised when um the stepmother chopped off the sister's feet <laughs> yeah a
0: little bit I was like whoa I'm, I mean I'm glad they didn't show anything <laughs> you know, but but yeah that
2: <laughs> I was like it's oh just, my goodness I felt like that popped more than I feel like it's not as it's it's, it's surprising but not as surprising usually in the way the stage show goes with some of the moments they have but so I was like whoa they kept that in okay (laughs) I know that some of the
1: like more kind of violent things that they use on stage definitely didn't make it in Mm -hmm. what other things are there Kay that they took out I put her on the spot I know I'm trying
2: to think of well I already told you about the agony thing I think you know in a way they so that softened the princess character a little bit He's not mm-hmm. as... It made it seem like, you know, this this incident with the baker's wife was like a one-off, oh, crap, we're all gonna die. Mm-hmm, like, something right. you would do in that moment, where uh, in the in the stage show, it's like, no, that's just who he is. He, he mm-hmm. would do this all the time, even if there wasn't a giant. It was that, that kind of thing. I thought it was interesting that they cast Jack as actually a young boy who that poor kid who had, like, was really racing to get his mouth around all those words. Yes. <laughs> no, it's awful. No, it's awful. Yeah. No, it
0: isn't mine at all. No, no. no it's it's such a wordy
2: show, and I love that as- about Sondheim, but I was like, hey, out of everybody, was, like, almost not yeah. making it. But um, when they cast Jack as someone a little bit older, like a teenager, you know, he, they play it more as, he's just dumb. Uh-huh. And and this, it was like, well, he's a little kid. He just doesn't know better. Oh, here's something they cut. Uh, after, I'm trying to remember, is it at the end of the first act or the beginning of the second act, both, there's a song. They, they re-sing into the woods with different lyrics a couple times in the mm-hmm. show. And there's parts where they're kind of sharing the the lessons they've learned okay. and and that wasn't in there so you know Jack says his his mom says about him in one uh, verse of it slotted spoons don't hold much soup mm-hmm. <laughs> and and then uh later on she, when he comes back with all the gold and everything she says but a slotted spoon can catch the potato <laughs> <laughs> I love that. (laughs) So there were, there were like those little one-off lessons that were out of it that, you know, they don't really need to be there, but give the characters a little bit more. Sarah, what does into
1: the woods mean to you after you've seen this movie? What is going into the woods mean?
0: Uh, Okay. So this, when I, when I saw Emily Blunt singing moments in the woods, that's when I like got it and everything came together for me. Um, when you know you you go into the woods, it's like your life. You like go to live your life, and you know the the path may be dark, and you know the path may be dim, and the way may be not you know not clear. But you know it's the journey that matters. Well said. So, yeah.
1: Yep. I I agree. That's it's sort of like the scary thing, the unknown. But if you don't go there. You won't really get to live your life. uh, And, you know, that's just part of it. You have to go into those, those dark places to, to live a life. So it was, it was, I, I, I I was probably when she was singing it that I, I was like, Oh, yeah, okay, I get it now. So well done again with the lyrics there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mister. I love
2: No One Is Alone. Mm. And it has layers like witches can be right, giants can be good. You decide yeah. what's right. You decide what's good. Mm. Yes, and like that was- you know, and remembering that, yeah, even if you're opposite someone, they have feelings and thoughts too. Yeah, A song for the internet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> A song definitely you can play. These are songs that I like to use um, when I'm writing that have that have like messages. So if I'm trying to get my self into a frame of mind to write something a lot of times songs from musicals will end up being on my playlists where I'm trying to get in a certain tone so I found a lot of these were very much that type of song where you can get your brain into an emotion or a place or a way of thinking that if you need to sit down and write something for uh sometimes it's blogging when I need to be or if I'm writing fiction I can get my head into something and uh aside from Chris Pine who we've all decided was (laughs) perfectly cast in this movie um who else surprised you or you thought was a standout in this
0: I would say Meryl Streep
2: Mm -hmm. yeah she I still hold Bernadette Peters as the best witch ever but um she yeah. came really close. She did a really great job, and I did not know Emily Blunt could sing. And she, mm-hmm. I thought she did a great job. Um, Anna Kendrick, I loved her on the Steps of the Palace. That rendition, she has a that beautiful voice. That was interesting too, because that was like a, that was a cool special effect. Mm-hmm. But again, that's something they changed where she's singing that to the Baker's wife yeah. in, the, ah. in the stage musical instead of being by herself okay. but it's something you could do because but you know, yeah because you can do it staged differently yeah. yeah so you can just stop and have her be this is what i was thinking in that moment
0: mm-hmm.
2: i thought christine
1: baranski was perfectly cast yeah. as well <laughs> <laughs> she does that part so well and i i've loved pretty much anything she's ever done so mm-hmm. um and what was she was in mama mia too wasn't she now that i think about Me it yeah, with, uh, now I'm like going back to the, oh, yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, Meryl. Meryl Streep has sung in <laughs> something before. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah. so, because Chris, Christine Branski does the number on the beach. Why can't I think, uh, on, uh, mm-hmm. Mamma Mia? I'm trying to think of that now, but, oh well, another, another musical <laughs> that I will watch all the time too. But I did <laughs> like that, I do like the stage version better than the movie on that one. So there's nothing quite like being at the theater watching a live performance. Um, Mm -hmm. So you can't take that away. So any closing thoughts, Sarah, on would you definitely something you would recommend for people to see if they haven't seen?
0: Oh, yeah, I would definitely recommend it. And just, yeah, um, just pay attention to the lyrics because I know my husband watched it and he wasn't quite, he's not as into musicals as me, you know, so he, he didn't know it was like all singing, so he didn't pay attention <laughs> right at the very beginning, and he missed some things. <laughs> so I would say, just know you're you're watching a musical. Pay attention to all the lyrics, and and you'll get it. <laughs> and then immediately download the soundtrack after you're done watching it, and listen to it over and over. <laughs> my
2: my,
1: <laughs> my husband was was not aware of that. It was the darker. Sort of take on a fairy tale. So he was enjoying it very much. And then when it all started falling apart, he was like, wait, what's happening? (laughs) I don't like, he just, he's like, I. Uh, it was sort of like he just wasn't prepared so it sort of was a little unexpected which i thought was kind of funny too but i i knew going in that it was there was going to be some deconstruction of <laughs> fairy tale tropes uh so I, I was fine with it and yes definitely listen to the words because it, they say a, a lot of the story <laughs> mm-hmm. in them
2: and Kay, um, your your closing thoughts i liked it and i think if if you really enjoyed it, then you should look for the uh, print. I don't know if it's out on Blu-ray. I know there's a DVD out there of the original Broadway mm-hmm. performance. And then you can, it's kind of like getting the special edition. Then <laughs> then you can see all the deleted scenes and Ooh. songs and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Awesome. It would be great. So, Sarah, where can everybody
1: find you well, if they're looking on the interweb.
0: Yeah. Well, you can uh, tweet me at Jedi Tink. And you can also find me on Skywalking Through Neverland, uh, the podcast, Star Wars Disney podcast, wherever your favorite podcatcher is. And then I'm also on Fangirls Going Rogue with you,
2: Tricia. Yay. And Kay, I am on Twitter at geek underscore Kay. And I am co-host with Trisha on uh, Hyperspace Theories, Yay! Also wherever Yay. podcasts are sold. And <laughs> I am a contributor on Fangirlblog.com.
1: I've, I've never heard the term podcatcher before, so that's a good one. me
2: go. think of Peter and the Starcatcher type thing <laughs> yes. because of the Jedi <laughs> Pink thing. Ah. It's all connected. <laughs> nice. Well, thank
1: you ladies for joining me And I think I will play uh, An appropriate agony inspired song At the end of this <laughs> uh, episode well, Thanks everybody for joining us And check us out next time on Fangirl Chat
0: Agony misery world always different for each Always ten steps behind Always ten feet below And she's just out of reach Agony that can cut like a knife. I must have her to one. <laughs> Delgado and Trisha Barr.